0: Welcome to the Photon Studio, the AMS Osram podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Photon Studio, the AMS Osram podcast. My name is Dieter Schiere, and I'm a part of digital communications team at AMS Osram and hosting today's episode. Healthcare and technology go hand in hand. But you may ask yourself, where are they going? The trends in the digital health area, like telemedicine, IoT devices, and virtual reality surgical training, are not a science fiction anymore and continue to attract big investment rounds, helping the industry to improve health equity worldwide. It's not a surprise that the COVID 19 pandemic triggered massive disruption in the healthcare industry and pushed the sector to invest more in innovative new technology. What we can say for sure. Digital health trends gained momentum during the pandemic and are predicted to change the future of medicine. As the pandemic reduced in-person visits, healthcare providers had to react quickly. What is obvious, many people would like to be able to carry out a diagnosis, a blood test or a doctor's consultation at home without going out and losing time. So-called telehealth expanded healthcare access. More people can access health-related services including medically vulnerable people and people without transportation or a provider in their local area. But what does it need, a part of tablets, mobile phones and computers to be able to conduct a test at home for example, and get a fast and reliable result? MS Osram is a global leader in optical technology and sensors. Many biometric sensing applications depend on optical technologies, which offer high sensitivity and the ability to measure multiple parameters. The optical sensor technologies support the development of the next-generation point-of-care diagnostic systems, including light detectors, light sources, own wafer filter technologies, and micro-optics lens systems. To find out how these technologies work, I invited my colleague Fernando Aman, Marketing Manager for Digital Health Topics at MS Ostrom. He's my guest today in the Photon studio. Fernando, thanks for taking your time, and welcome to our podcast.
1: Hi, Dieter. I'm very happy to be here today. Can you maybe please introduce yourself and tell us what do you do at
2: AMS Awesome Action? So my name is uh, Fernando Aman. I joined the company uh, 1st of February and I have a 10 year background in uh, in vitro diagnostics. And I joined the team as mentioned the uh, 1st of February to help with the commercial activities in regards to our DiroLab and maybe also other um, point of care solutions in our pipeline for the future.
1: Great, thank you very much, uh, Fernando. So. You know, recently I read an article about digital health. We're talking about digital health today. And uh, it is obviously one of the most significant trends in the near future. So the healthcare sector, more than all, almost any other service sectors, is facing the challenges of a demographic change. And with the help of digitization, more efficient and above all, care of all citizens at the same high level will be possible in the future. So this is what they told in the magazines and the article that I read. Can you maybe briefly describe from your experience that you had so far, where are we now on this journey? So where are we now concerning the technology, but also um, demand? What about telediagnostics, et cetera, et cetera? So what is what is your opinion on that?
2: Well, I mean, if if you talk about a lot of people and talking about the more elderly people you have in, in your population, you will also talk about more patients that actually suffer from chronic diseases because the older you get, the more likely it is to develop a chronic disease. And of course, there are many chronic diseases. Uh, and if you look at uh, reasons for for death, um, we look at uh, cancer. We look at uh, lung diseases. We look at cardiovascular stories. And among them, I think only one disease is currently very good managed. And that one is diabetes, because diabetes is very simple to manage, I believe, because uh, the disease itself, uh, well, only only includes uh, glucose, which is the sugar, right? But also uh, insulin. So it's a very easy uh, problem to to analyze and also solve uh, because it's it's really not complex. Now, why I mentioned diabetes, uh, look at how diabetes was treated uh, 40 or 50 years ago. Back then, it was very normal that diabetics would uh, visit the endocrinologist, which is a hormone doctor, uh, which back then basically tested those patients with urine strips and then gave them um, uh, insulin directly. <laughs> Look how diabetics treat themselves today. I mean, there was a revolution in, in the 90s where the glucosameters came into the market. Uh, Roche was among those companies that disrupted the diabetes market. Uh, and actually changed this game, and also led to the circumstance that many of those endocrinologists um, well became uh, jobless, right? Because um, the glucose meters allowed the diabetics to test themselves and also treat themselves uh, with insulin, and a lot longer made it necessary to make have those doctor visits. And um, I think this is really revolutionary, especially if compared to to other diseases. Well, I think the revolutionary step was in the 90s, where the doctor was no longer needed in the first place because the finger prick devices came into the market. I think this was the big impact back then. I think switching from from a um, finger pricking device to a CGM where pricking is no longer necessary is certainly also innovative, but I wouldn't call it revolutionary because those people are already customers of of self-testing, right? The only thing that will that is happening now is that those companies that are in, in this diabetes game, uh, that they are competing with with each other and are trying to implement and create the most sophisticated and also most convenient solutions, to really attract most of those customers which are already sick and which are already testing themselves in one way or another. So my question really really goes into the direction that take take diabetes as, as an example, right? From fully dependent to fully independent, and uh, make the same case with, uh, with cardiovascular issues, right? I mean, where are we there? Yeah. If you have issues related to your heart, there's no way you, you, you yeah, try to treat yourself
1: without a doctor, right? What can we actually as a company, and we are known for sensor and lighting, as a sensor and lighting specialist, what key? What we can offer to the market market participants, to the companies that are developing these kinds of applications. So, what is our stake there? What are you working on? That the boundaries of
2: biology uh, are, are an important topic um, because it just shows us also that not everything's possible. Maybe you know, You might can build the best sensors in the world, but we can still not measure a particular biomarker. Uh, another example that I just want to bring forward is the uh, Google. Google acquired uh, from Novartis. Uh, a lens technology in uh, like 10 or 15 years ago and uh, which then was put to verily and verily was then supposed to develop this this sugar sensing lens um of course you would never heard anything of it anymore also not that it didn't succeed because you don't uh you know communicate such information as well but the, the problem was that this was very simple i mean glucose was just not uh, correlating in, in the tears with the 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 glucose from your blood and that's a biological reason why, it did, why the technology did not fly. Maybe they would have been able to measure the glucose in your tears, but it would have been completely um, unimportant because there was a correlation to the blood. And uh, just to give another example of the boundaries of biology. So maybe we will never be able to measure sugar non-invasively the normal way, you know. But uh, maybe we can do that when we combine 20 or 30 different biomarkers with each other that we can measure non-invasively to vital signs, for instance.
1: Um, And Fernando, uh, talking about um, the, um, let's say, modules that you have developed so far or trying to uh, to bring to the market, um, how does it actually work? I mean, you're talking about the bi- biological sample. Is it the blood what we're talking about? So do you need a blood as a sample? And then you have a sensor or emitter that uh, puts light on that and shines through. Or how, how does it work? So where where do you start? So what do you need from from a human being? Let's start with that. Yeah, so because we have those limitations
2: of non-invasive methods, uh, we thought to build the invasive device. So the idea is basically that you take a little bit of finger prick blood, which will mostly be of a volume between 2 to 20 microliters. So it's about, you know, 10% of or half a drop maybe that you have to aspirate with a capillary tube and which you then mix uh, with, with particular reagents and then you then drop on, on, on a strip. I'm sure all the listeners remember doing a, a COVID self-test. Uh, the end of the test is basically the same, where you drop it on on the test. But the beginning would be slightly different. You would not necessarily, um, you know, get a throat swap or another pharyngeal swap, unless you also test for for infectious disease. But you you have to prick your finger quickly and, and use a bit of blood for for such a test.
1: So um, and going further, so you take the the sample and then you put it in the um, let's say like a, um, no, it's a cartridge actually, but the um, the testing facility. And this testing facility is some kind of, of gadget which has um, multiple sensors coming ideally from ms osram in the end some algorithms then and the the result will be calculated and then if we say okay this is a point of care diagnostics with telemedicine uh, capabilities so the result will be analyzed and put to the cloud or how, how does it work so when you because you do it. The the idea is you do it at home, right? You don't take this this gadget and go to the doctor and back it out and say, okay, doc, let's do it together. No, you do it by yourself, right?
2: I mean, there, there are many use cases that we are studying at the moment. Um, of course, the most attractive use case, also in regards to scalability, is that uh, people do the do it at home themselves, without uh, any help. And um, so after you basically added your sample. You, you will see in your smartphone, which which is connected to the, the test device, you will see a 15-minute incubation. So we will actually see how long more does it take to finish the test. And afterwards, it will send the result to you as well. And then you will have basically the ability um, to share this with your uh, GP or with any family members um, or wh- whoever else you want to. And uh, again, in, in individual testing is, is the main focus because uh, there we have definitely the biggest customer and user base in the world. Uh, right now, we're also focusing on, on telehealth companies, um, telehealth company, company companies uh, grew a lot uh, thanks to the COVID pandemic, where decentralized uh, patient consulting was extremely important. And um, yeah, but now, of course, well, at least uh, in Europe, uh, most of COVID is, is gone right now in summer, at least. Um, and and those telehealth services do also want to treat other conditions in COVID, right? So what are we thinking about why not bundling such a such a telehealth service with such a device, so that they could also generate or access uh, blood test results remotely, and then directly combine it with the, with a treatment um, consulting online through your smartphone.
1: What would be then the typical use case? Because I, I can't imagine that we, uh, with this device, we can me- measure everything. Yeah. So some people w- would like to know: okay, do I have too low level of uh, vitamin D? Some people have too low level of what do you call this? Iron, iron in the blood, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, what would be the spectrum of of the possible applications here? So, do we are we limited? Here? Well, the
2: technical limitations to this device specifically are that we need to be able to measure a protein because we measure with antibodies, so we can only measure proteins, nothing else. Right now with the lab, of course, if, if we find other use cases that are interesting for our sensors, we will extend the portfolio, but then we definitely need a different device because this one is optimized on, on, on antibody testing uh, on, on, the, on a digital lateral flow, basically. Yeah, so to answer your question, um, I think that there are a lot of proteins that we can measure, some where it makes a lot of sense to do it yourself at home without the need of a doctor. And then depending on the complexity of, of, of the interpretation of the result, it then of course also makes sense to include a doctor. You just went, mentioned vitamin D. I think vitamin D is a good uh, good example, especially nowadays where we all uh, sit in, in some office buildings and barely get some sunlight. Um, vitamin D deficiency is something which is which is distributed um, among among many people. Uh, iron deficiency as well, especially among young women that uh, are premenopausal. And you could not only test yourself, you could also treat yourself. So imagine you go afterwards to a pharmacy and speak to the pharmacist and, and tell sure, actually show him your result, right? Which will not cost you anything because he's just happy to sell you the vitamin D and, and the iron. And then he can tell, yeah, you have a deficiency and uh, you should take this or that, right? And then you could also circumvent to see the doctor and also the bill that you would get from your doctor. And then just treat yourself and maybe test yourself a few months later, right? This this would be, for instance, t- uh, two use cases for, we call it wellness testing, where you really treat yourself. Nothing critical, right? Because, of course, it's it's not good to have those deficiencies, but they will not kill you in the near future, right? more professionally focused uh, a test for instance is a crp test which which shows you for instance the degree of inflammation and with such a value you can basically also predict if you have a uh, uh, or diagnose if you have a bacterial infection or a, a viral infection and assuming you have a bacterial infection and you you again cannot see your doctor because you're too busy too far away or you're just a bit too greedy over there, um, then they could send you directly at the Biotics uh, via courier, courier, and you could, again, treat yourself and keep in touch with them um, over via your call.
1: Um, Anand, you mentioned the word lateral flow test. What is this exactly?
2: A lateral flow test is a test where you add a sample material and then where it laterally flows up the forces of uh, through capillary force, yeah. so it's basically all the COVID tests that we used, which are not which were not PCR tests or lateral flow tests because they flow from A to B. And what we did with the Dior lab is we basically just uh, highly improved the lateral flow tests that are there uh, because lateral flow tests for themselves, I think, there are uh, you can call them an engineering miracle because they're extremely um, cheap in production, but if, and, and if designed well with the biochemistry and all the fluidics, you can have a very good test that costs you almost nothing. And I think, uh, we, we in the West, of course, we, we mostly talk about our Western world, uh, health issues, right. But, uh, as a, as a global company, we should also, also focus on the rest of the world, which maybe cannot afford an expensive test, right. And, uh, lateral flows tests, in my opinion, have the potential to, to to be able to treat the whole world, and the only disadvantage that they have is the is the precision of result, or the LOD, the limit of detection, of particular biomarkers. But I think we could solve this problem that the new up and uh, yeah, basically help the LFT technology to to have no disadvantage anymore in the first place. And that's why we also believe it is a highly revolutionary technology.
1: And as we are sensing, we, we say our claim is sensing is life. And we are also a lighting specialist, MS also right now, one company, one team. Obviously, we we provide the best sensors and light emitters to the uh, testing facilities. So, but how does it work on the physical level, maybe? Can you briefly explain? So you have a blood sample. You put it in the testing facility. What happens? How does the magic happen there? So we use light. We have sensing capabilities. How does it work?
2: So our sample sooner or later will reach the strip and then laterally flow up the strip and in doing so it will mix with the biochemistry on the strip and it will lead to a so-called sandwich antibody complex where we will have one um, antibody uh, immobilized on the strip that makes sure that our target antigen, which is the protein that we're looking for, will stay at a particular place and this will basically form the line on the strip. And on the other side, on the upper side of, of the protein, we have another antibody. And, and on this antibody, we have uh, coated on uh, so called europium. The europium is an element which is super interesting because europium, if, if you so on, on, on the upper side of the, of the protein, you have another antibody. And on this antibody, they are coated with europium. And when you stimulate the europium in, in the nano light um, area, it will emit light very slowly this just a just an elemental uh, characteristic uh, ch- ch- characteristic uh, that it will emit the light slowly and this is actually quite good because we can then measure um, with lights off so in other words we, we, when we shoot light on it um, we then turn off the, the led and we can then measure with our sensors where the light is off and have a super sensitive uh, measurement result with the sensors that's exactly how it works right now and uh, the, the question why we use a spectral sensor is that we could basically use up to eight different um, colors or, or um, conjugates that all have a different uh, emission and emission uh, spectrum and then you could basically theoretically at least measure up to eight different uh, proteins uh, out of one one line yeah um, it sounds great right but we also think it's quite difficult um, but uh, three should be possible or we have different lines, let's say uh, three lines with three tests each uh, this should also rather be possible but will certainly also be uh, more expensive in production. Yeah. that's why currently we, we are focusing on on one test at, at the beginning until we we have customers that actually you know make a lot of money with our product and uh, are ready to to move on to the to the next
1: phase. You know, the topic of digital health is not new, of course. We spoke about that um, in the beginning, uh, the diabetes and uh, the development that the medicine did in the past 50 years. But the COVID, let's briefly talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, which is unfortunately still with us. It's supposed to have given the topic a real push, right? So you mentioned because of the uh, less contacts and everything was closed, but I mean, people were still ill, not only with COVID, but uh, other illnesses obviously you have to had to push this telemedicine topic anyways. And you as an expert, do you see signs um, of product and technology developments that uh, we didn't even have a few years ago right now because of this push of COVID? So the, obviously we're talking about this telemedicine stuff. So where you use the point of care diagnostics and connect it with these um a Skype consultancy, I don't know, where a doctor is sitting in front of you on the, on the laptop and explaining to you the result that you obtained right away 15 minutes ago with the gadget that some company provided to you uh, with <laughs> MSOS from the technology. Um, I
2: think really new innovation thanks to COVID there's probably read a little. I think uh, one good example is to make uh, was around airports where well, the strict regulations internationally, um, the airports had to be very innovative, especially in regards to PCR tests, which were the gold standard and letting you into into the plane. So I think one of the big innovations are small and portable PCR test devices, which, uh, well, I think they existed before, but they weren't really marketed as, as as huge as they are today. Um, and now, of course, they're also used for other infectious diseases, not just COVID. But other than that, I think there's no necessarily new technology in the market now thanks to COVID. But uh, as you mentioned, digital health in regards to telemedicine um, definitely got boosted. But we have to be fair, it was there already. But uh, today it's, it's really more also more recognized in a, in a, a serious way. Um, I mean, if if you look at innovation in healthcare, I think most things, as telemedicine and and also home testing, are are more of a procedural character. So we don't really talk about a new product or a new technology. We talk rather about how can we innovate or improve the old processes, right? I mean, think about Amazon who just stepped in also in the US into telehealth, which will, in our opinion, will definitely have a huge impact on how healthcare is. Managed today, um, we believe that uh, I mean telehealth is already there, but they're joining it now. So we don't see much innovation possible in general from a technology perspective, but but from a procedural one, right? So maybe they will be able to make the whole um, patient consulting much cheaper, much faster, much more efficient. And will be able to capitalize on it because they will be able to save a lot of money and outperform anyone by by also offering lower uh, cost or lower prices, because they're just they can because they basically can offer the same services just much cheaper, right? And as a as a retailer, they know how to to crush your costs down, right? They exactly know that because that's how they went so big, right? Became so big. Yeah. So we think uh, on that side that the real innovation will be. in our real lab technology um, is, is basically a tool that can help you to, to realize that because people could test themselves at home and no longer would need to see a doctor because, oh, visit the doctor, and you could do it right now. You could send a result online. He can check it as, as soon as he has time and get, get you by a video call or just also by a text message, right? Maybe, in, I think in many cases, you don't even need, need to see a doctor. And uh, those cases where you don't need to see that, there yeah, we need to reduce the cost because th- this cost is unnecessary,
1: right? What are the challenges that you and your colleagues are also uh, colleagues from, from the other companies in the same area are facing um, right now uh, connected to the digital health topic? So what are the technical challenges that you have to or still have to master when it comes to um, yeah technology?
2: I think our our issues right now are more on on the commercial side how because we're looking at a new market right, and it's very difficult to build a new market because uh, it's very difficult to find companies or partners that have the the courage and also the financials to 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 go into a direction which is rather uncertain right a new market is always high risk because you have if not many proof points yet there's no literature really that talks about a market that is big, but we also have to 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 see that the mo- the biggest companies of the world, they don't walk blind into a new market. They usually have hordes of huge business development teams that already consist of team like fifty or one hundred people that uh, calculate each business case through and only move forward if the business cases look good, right? And they already know how those business cases have to be created because they already did thousands before, right um if if you ask me about the challenges still, I would mm-hmm. also like to go back once again uh, on the on the topic of 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 diabetes that I mentioned before, with with the with the non-invasive uh, uh, testing of, of with the vital sign sensors. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 we what we see is, as mentioned, that that uh, we're still getting closer and closer to try and predict or, or manage or measure diseases non-invasively, right? But uh, where where I believe the market will go is is. Uh, we have, I think we have to combine uh, invasive and non-invasive testing in, in one kind of data cloud. Because if, if you know your um, non-invasive testing is very good, right? Um, still, you, you will need at some point some some blood test as a proof point that basically feeds your algorithm with, with real-time data that can show you how it really is and how good your algorithm actually works. See it as a see it as a, see it as a calibration point or something, right? And if if you're able to to build something that can combine those those non-invasive continuous measurements with with you know point measurements or but repetitive point measurements that are invasive, then you will be able to predict much more than anyone is predicting today with any diagnostic platform in the world, right? And our problem as component manufacturer is that we have no leverage over that, because we, we give away um, sensors for, for those variables, for smartphones, etc. where our customers obtain those uh, non-invasive measurements and also work in that direction. And and then now we, with the DR Lab, also give away the technology to, to a completely different party that maybe works on on, on those blood tests, right? So right now, as, as Amos Osram, without stepping into an end product, where we combine those, Topics ourselves, we can only try to have ever better and better sensors, but will be left out of the game, because the big win in this in this you know, online digital health story is is the data acquisition and what you do with those data points, right? Because I think the more data points you have in that area, you will be able to to not only. Um, measure particular biomarkers but you will be you will be able to use those technologies to to manage chronic diseases and predict chronic diseases but also to to manage the outcome of treatments right does this drug work on me right does it does, does it help me does it give the impact that i need right and, and once i'm back on healthy right i want to stay healthy so and, and then we can tell them you're still healthy because your biomarkers Digital biomarkers stayed the same and I'm not changing anymore in, in the bad direction that you came from when you were sick and it got healthy again. And another important aspect in that story is is that we don't need the data of the healthy people, actually. Uh, sorry, not the data of the sick people, but we need the data of the healthy people because we need to know how it should be and not how it should not be.
1: Right? So Fernando, if you were to look into the crystal ball a bit, what would you say in five years? let's with five years we will be able to do the most of small tests and inspections comfortably at home with the help of smart test kits and i say okay with ms awesome technology of course well i'm very optimistic uh, i'm a
2: believer in, in, in home testing because also um well i'm an independent person by myself and i think independence can bring you much forward especially when in, in a system that is highly un, un, uh, inefficient uh, or, or also cumbersome like the healthcare system um I definitely need, believe that that innovative solutions like ours can change the way how we treat ourselves, and um, I think home testing, as we see it, uh, at least inside a company, David. I personally believe it'll become the future, no, no question. If if you look at at what is in the market right now, of course there are certain things in the market right now that go into the same direction. And what we have are the so-called I call them home sampling companies. They call themselves home testing, but I call them home sampling because all they do is they send you a sample kit at home, where you where you add your uh, you know whatever uh, patient sample, blood, saliva, uh-huh. or whatever and then you send it back and it takes you however five days until you get the result sometimes in, in five to ten percent of the cases you don't get a result because your your patient sample is invalid because it took too long to get there you didn't treat it well or, or whatever yeah. so but five days waiting for for test result which which you may be need right now in a, in a more or less emergent case right um you actually also have customers that 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 see the the potential to have a result in only 15 minutes right now. And t- according to them, the potential is huge. And we believe that we can truly change how healthcare operates today
1: with our technology. And this is a great conclusion, uh-huh. Fernando, for this podcast, changing the digital health with MS Ostrom awesome technology. This is, this is great to hear. Thank you very much for the explanation. And uh, Fernando, thank you very much for taking your time and being my guest today in the Paton studio. It was a great talk. I enjoyed it very much. A very interesting topic i learned a lot and i hope our listeners as well thank you thank you thank you fernando
0: thank you for having me today i spoke with my colleague and guest fernando amman about the latest developments and trends in digital health and point of care diagnostics fernando explained to me how various msos from optical sensor technologies support development of next generation point of care diagnostic systems including light detectors, light sources, and much more. By the way, if you have a chance, visit us next week at the Census Converge 2022 in San Jose, California, and learn more about our technologies and solutions. You can find us at the booth 1522 in McHenry Convention Center. Looking forward to seeing you there. Until the next episode and next exciting story, hear you soon. Bye.